welcome to Talking in Stations After Show. I am McLeod. I'm here to uh, basically uh, guide conversation and uh, generally sort of uh, keep the show going and uh, all of that good stuff. Um, I've got a whole bunch of people here to talk about all the different topics that uh, was also discussed in Talking in Stations, um, as well as other random topics uh, related to Eve, not related to Eve, related to baking, related to popcorn, you know, anything and everything really. Um, so uh, I have uh, Busing, Caleb, Carneros, Dirk, uh, Jay McLean, Jeronica, Cacton, uh, Madderall might be here for a little bit. I think he's uh, currently away from the, his keyboard. Uh, Opus, Robbie, and Tiberius. Welcome, hey. everybody. Howdy. Hi. Hello. Everybody's, everybody's <laughs> suffering from that. Hey, we just started recording, so now we're just all going to shut up because we've completely forgotten what we're going to say. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, I think uh, I, you, you hit the nail on the head there, Tiberius, definitely. But, uh, yeah, I mean... You guys, uh, like uh, Tiberius, you and Madderall are kind of uh, gearing up to uh, get uh, get going on, uh, you know, the festivities in MTACO. Um, and in actual fact, what we've got uh, uh, in the background of this right now is uh, um, CO2's Keepstar in MTACO. Um, we'll see how long the feed lasts. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how long the feed lasts. So, you know, fingers crossed on that one. Uh, we'll see how long I... Uh, remain in system before getting decloaked randomly and killed <laughs> as well so you know um or uh what's it uh gigax activates the point defense on it and immediately applies damage to several hundred ships and crashes the boat so <laughs> this is this is also a very possible situation too so <laughs> but yeah um uh we've got a few videos that we can kind of show when we uh we're sort of uh, you know uh, gonna have a few breaks uh, here and there and everywhere. Like, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be a fairly lengthy show, which means that like literally no topic is off, uh, you know, off the table for discussion. Um, and you can you're welcome to go as deep into topics as you possibly want. Um, I'd also like to actually bring some uh, uh, questions from the audience, that kind of thing. Um, into the sort of the conversation that'd be really really awesome uh, especially stuff like that anyone uh anyone in the actual comms uh, sees and thinks is a really good like question or really good comment but yeah um mtaco i've got something to start us off with oh yeah awesome. totally man i don't know if you've been watching there's a you know most people are aware of a website called updates.eveonline.com where mm -hmm. it talks about the next set of patches coming up but there was a little subtle change that happened recently that I wanted to point out to people because it affects a lot of things and it and it's worth giving CCP some kudos for it. Okay. Uh, okay. You, what is that? <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, you're now suddenly intrigued. If you, um, if you jump over to updates.evonline.com, you'll see it pops in first at where we are. The next patch is December 13th. And on the 13th, there's going to be the the Yule Festival, as I call it. Um, I'm not sure how you you're supposed to pronounce Yule. Yule, what Yule? Yule. Just exactly call it like Yule. Yule. Like a Yule. Right. It's yeah, yeah. Icelandic. It's difficult to, <laughs> difficult to pronounce anything usually. 
Thanks for I know, I studied Icelandic for a year and a half. and, and uh, <laughs> well, It's still a mystery was, to you. Yeah, still a mystery. <laughs> uh, but there's a few other things. We can, we'll go into that in a second, uh, what's coming up. And we definitely want to talk about it because people need to know that they're going to have to log in every one of their accounts every day for the, the days of the festival. But oh. skipping forward for a moment, um, drilling platforms used to be sort of expected to be coming in the spring, meaning May or June after Eve FanFest. And uh, as you know, around Eve FanFest time, CCP will hold some details and information back. So they have some ammunition to use during the eFanFest event. They've got things to tell people and reveal. A lot of why people go to eFanFest is they want to be there on the spot when new information comes out. I understand that. I've been to eFanFest five times. It's a lot of fun. But um, drilling platforms now shows up under fall 2017. So this is a a subtle little change. I tip my hat to CCP for uh, seeing this early in the process that their schedule's not going to be able to promise them to be able to deliver this by June. And so they're setting expectations in advance that this is this is going to be a fall product. I mean, it's possible they'll get it done in June and change their mind and bring it up sooner. But my guts say that they're they're being conservative with their planning and their communication, and I think that's excellent. So it that does have a little me, bit of a problem, right, with the um, with the uh, e Valkyrie rollout that the the pipeline keeps getting delayed like that. It it, it seems as if there's a um, mismatch between uh, the brands now. Well, as as someone who works for a game company that has multiple live games and multiple brands, I understand that. I'm in no position to throw stones and. Uh... Oh, not necessarily <laughs> throw stones, but it's just a little bit sad that they can't benefit from the the hype that comes from Valkyrie, right? Because the recent one just shows the building of stations and, uh, sorry, the, the building of uh, uh, of gates. That that would have been awesome to have uh, at the same time that uh, we were potentially going to get gates. Very uh, cool. Yeah, cool. and actually, actually, if, if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it, my, my brother from another mother, um, General Stargazer, the person that I'm often confused with, and I'm often confused with him, but we are actually <laughs> two different people. We're You're not, not General Stargazer. I'm not General Stargazer. Don't start, seriously. Like, what's wrong with you? Um, this whole so time, I've been, I, I, I've been rude. Oh, man. You see, this is the problem. <laughs> so, um, he he did a video. He's very much into his lore. He loves all his lore and things like that. And he did a, a video quite recently because he's, a, he's very, very much into Valkyrie at the moment. He did a video which takes you on a tour around the new map um and this structure is pretty amazing it's like two galente stargates mushed together um with all sorts of bits and pieces in there and there's one of the features that valkyrie has it has this scout mode so you can explore the map and as you go around the map you can pick up like little audio files that give you a bit of a story about what's going on at the map and it's it's great stuff and he's recorded the whole thing and he's taking you all around it and as you're flying around you're picking up diaries from a person that's um building this stargate so uh if you love all your lore type stuff go check it out uh general stargazer's youtube it's on there and it's it's really really good and it's a beautiful map it is stunning um i have to have to give big props to um 
the Valkyrie devs built making that map because it looks amazing. It's an ice field floating above a planet with a stargate, and it's brilliant stuff. Yeah, and he promised to actually redo the audio so you can actually hear the echoes that are presented in that, so you can hear the whole narrative. And it's uh, very much tying into uh, the the Eve law and the potential of gates for the players. Yeah. That's epic, man. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I know. I just built a new computer to be able to do Valkyrie, so that's definitely exciting to hear that there's good stuff in the pipeline for that. <laughs> there's so many good arguments to get uh, a PS4 next year, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, like it's the lowest way of getting into VR games at the moment. Yeah, totally. it's, it's the you, lowest you form of gaming, console gaming. Oh, yeah. oh god damn it! I wow. bought a GTX 1070 to be able to play VR on my PC, and now everyone's going yeah, well. to the the PS4. Like what? Don't do it. That just means they're lesser than you. It's okay. This is true. This PC is... master race. And, yeah, and you know, say, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's okay to have standards. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't, don't feel like you're, you're bad. Standards, goddammit. There you go. <laughs> At the end of the day, like, PC stuff is quite expensive, and the Oculus headset is quite expensive, and the Vive is even more expensive. Um, but, you know, so you're looking at an outlay of at least, I don't know, what, $2,000 for these things? Um, and to get a decent computer to run it if you haven't got an upstate computer. Well, but they'll come down in price yeah, eventually. It's already so. starting. You got to look at like what's happening in the hardware market. Like with the 1060, the 1060 is technically like that's VR ready. Mm. It's not going to give you a, like, uh, you know, the same, uh, you know, bang for your buck that like the 1070 is going to do in VR itself. But if you look at the hardware, the hardware is already coming down in price. And AMD is poised to come out with a new chipset next year uh, by the same designer who came up with their Apple on XP series, the, oh, the guy nice. who did the architecture for that. And that's going to be, you know, at AMD's price point and hopefully, you know, step up their uh, performance in, in comparison to Intel chips. So it's coming down and they're, the hardware's like part of it is trying to make its push to make VR more readily accessible. I'm just going to take this opportunity to say 1080 Master Race. Oh. Um, <laughs> that's, I'm at 1440. I, I wish I had a 1080. Like, yeah. I was I was looking through it and just kind of going, oh, can I can I justify a 1080? Oh, the 1080 Dude, there, there's nothing you're going to use the 1080 card on at this point. In <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Oh, that's, I mean, that's, why I, I went, I, that's why I went 1070. So. Yeah, yeah, so I'd just be happy with a computer that can run like Eve at full graphics in a in a massive fight. Yeah. Just I've, trying to plug the fact that, uh, that the PS4 has not had anything that interested me, and now they're finally rolling out some titles that I would actually be perfectly fine with playing on a platform like that. That does not need uh, PC Master Race, right? Like uh, the the Final Fantasy series, like the new Wipeout thing, um, and then of course things like Valkyrie and getting the whole VR thing. See the thing is, I like the the card that I bought the 1070. Um, it was it's a MSI uh, overclock uh, 1070. Um, I've yet to actually try it out in a full on massive uh, like battle. So like I don't know. I, I'm, I'm you're still I'm gonna get garbage frame rates, bro. I did it yeah. like last week in the MTECO thing. You still oh, yeah. gotta turn off brackets, and you still gotta. It's just there's just too much on the screen. Yeah. Um, I, I spoke to um, an Eve dev recently. I was like, what, what's like the most intensive thing for your computer to be running? 
um, during those sort of fights, and he was like, audio and brackets. They are they are the <laughs> single consume, largest consumers of processing power of your computer. The graphics themselves don't audio use up that much. Well, audio and bracket. Thankfully, um, at least on this round, uh, I've got audio switched off, sort of, uh, on both of the uh, both of the clients. So, you know, at least there's that. But I I've yet to screw with brackets, so I think that might be a, something I might have to sort out, like as uh, as it the fight kind of starts to pick up in Mteco. Yeah, just turn off all brackets. The classic sort of you know, we'll have a, battle yeah. settings. We'll have a restricted bracket set, so you're not seeing yeah. like everything. everything. You're just showing the stuff that's important to. It's like it's like ah yes, I do want to see drones. <laughs> Number of ships I've lost because I've turned the brackets off and I don't notice the enemy fleet yellow boxing me because you kind of have to scroll through the overview to see the second fleet that's a little bit further out priming you. You know the really the really funny thing is like I swear two or three like maybe probably like three years ago I'm I'm almost certain that at some point I was using a brackets off profile that still showed yellow boxing but Ooh. I don't know like I mean I've been I've, I've been kind of like I swear to god I swear to god that that did it did exist at some point and but the thing is like I don't know if we can like quickly jump into a CCP please kind of thing but like oh CCP please if you could make a a way for us to have a brackets off profile that still shows like lock-ons oh, that would just be be really really good that would be pretty amazing and uh fyi there's thank a lot you more so intuitive so stuff they could do with the interface to ease that would make it like mm -hmm. really more appealing to just people in general like uh like especially new people because a Definitely. lot of stuff is incredibly unintuitive yeah yeah well, they're they're cracking down on like you know all the non-intuitive kind of stuff like, and also cracking down on a lot of, a lot of the legacy code that they used to have. Uh, like, I think that's oh, one yeah, of they, the. They made huge steps. Like, just look at the um. Oh yeah. What was the the overlay the. Tactical overlay. The tactical overlay. There tactical you go. Yeah, I tactical overlay has been going leaps and bounds, man. I'm not gonna take like credit for that. But I totally yelled at Carker like last year at Vegas about like <laughs> the tactical overlay and how it could be more intuitive for people who uh, <laughs> whose brains work more visually than like uh, textually. Yeah. So I'll take some credit. <laughs> it is pretty. It is pretty amazing to see that um, the new tactical overlay uh, because certainly if you're if you know you're a carrier pilot or you know you're into your solo PvP and things like that, it becomes really really important. Um, because knowing mm. what enemy ships are doing is and having that displayed in a visual manner is just so nice. Like in your when you're like going into a brawl one on one with somebody else, to see the direction and the speed that they're traveling in, so you can manually pilot it without trying to sort of guess it. It's oh, yeah. such a benefit, you know, like the whole uh, kiting and double-clicking space or trying to slingshot people around and all this sort of yeah. stuff. It, it just gives you so much more ability to do it. And 
when you're like uh if you're a carrier pilot or a super pilot having that overlay is really really good as well because you can see the movement of enemy ships there what was it s tag d um where we fought the co2 supercat fleet um nc fought the co2 capital supercat fleet um mm-hmm. we were going in and trying to kill the intosis hicks uh, not hicks uh recons um that were flying around and i was using the tactical overlay to see which direction the test people fleet was flying in so i could pilot my bombers around them and get to the intosis <laughs> ship to nice. blow it up with and I couldn't have done that. I would never have been able to do that without that tactical overlay at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's showing a wealth of information. And the thing is, it's it's the good thing about it is it's showing a wealth of information like intelligently. It's not sort of like um, like doubling up or tripling up on information, you know, that you, you know. Um, I mean, I, I've kind of seen that like in certain places in EVE where you just see like the same information, but like, you know... Um, display to you in like multiple ways and it's just like well you know it's it's a little bit excessive kind of thing but the the new kind of tactical overlay is really really good at like making sure that the information is kind of there but intuitive as well and not like you know overdone well like where i was coming from was people have different brains and brains process information differently uh so from an accessibility standpoint um that's a lot better for uh, bringing in even more people to Eve. So if mm-hmm. you have somebody who can actually interpret the information, um, whereas you know some of these people are really good at looking at the overview and they can take that information, their brain can process it and interpret it um, basically visually in their own head. Well, some people's brains don't work like that. So now you're opening it up to a bunch of people who can get into this now because now they have this kind of visual representation that their, their brain can kind of wrap around. Yeah, yeah. But I also really like how it shows information about active modules and such too. Like I'm sitting right now in a Chronos, just off of, off a of Citadel, and I can look and see. Okay, you know what are all my ranges on, you know, various ammo types, all that sort of stuff. Before that was sort of this, if you didn't if you didn't know them off the top of your head, it just was information that you had to go and actively look for, which detracted from 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 fighting. But now you can just using the tactical overlay sort of see what those envelopes are, and it really does help. Oh, totally. I mean, it was one of the things like I hadn't noticed for a long for the longest time is just like um, when you have the tactical overlay on. Like, it, I mean, it's it sounds kind of uh, sort of you know quite obvious, but you know when you're trying to teach a fairly newish player like you know how to light sino and where you know uh, where ships are going to be appearing when they actually come into grid like basically trying to tell them that it's going to be a bubble between you know sort of five and like 10 kilometers somewhere around about that kind of size so you know instructing them to make sure that like that area is kind of clear of obstructions when you're signing someone onto a station um sometimes that can get lost in translation and stuff but you know when you actually yeah, totally. have a sino on and you have the when you when you have the tactical overlay on, sorry, uh, and you like just mouse over the sign of it, it, it does show that kind of distance, which is really good. Like, it's yeah, you don't need a bit. salvager anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I will so, say that particular edition did not stop me from almost bouncing my carrier off a station in Iridia. 
Ooh. which was very oh. harrowing because we were not blue. Oh, no, already. LSH at the time. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I came I came super close to bouncing my chimera full of literally everything I owned off a station. That was very <laughs> harrowing. That would have... Uh, I, yeah, I would have, no, I would have, been, I would have been puckering there as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Iridia, is ter Iridia terrifies me. It really does. It's like... Well, surely it shouldn't terrify you as much because of the slightly increased jump range now. It's like, it's not as restrictive, is it? Well, I mean, yeah, like a few of the choke points that you had with capital ships have been kind of alleviated, but mm. there is still, like certain, like Iridia especially, to, Iridia to Fountain especially, there are still probably only like, I don't know, uh, four or five systems that you can jump um, a carrier or a, you know a dreadnought or a super cap or a titan from to get into fountain there's still those like three major choke points into that area and it's the same with delve i think i think there's probably two again two or three choke points maybe um of which oh. you can probably jump out of a couple of systems from to get to and they watch them they watch them like hawks oh and yeah yeah they they totally do like if it's if it's that kind of restrictive, then yeah, they will have the they will definitely take the time to watch them like orcs. Yeah. And they're fearsome at doing it as well. Yeah. Man. Um like they've they've picked up people that have, you know, gone AFK from me for six or seven months, um, logged back in and then oh, hello, uh, there's no tower here anymore. And oh, hello Hick. Where did you come from? Oh <laughs> yeah. dead. Out of nowhere. Like, yeah. Literally. And they, they haven't played for months. And these guys know exactly where they are. And they have a character there ready for when it <laughs> happens. Because it's going to happen. It's so crazy. Just, so just to continue on that point about jump ranges, I'm looking at uh, Garpa right now. Yeah. And with like regular capitals, so Dreadnoughts, Carriers, Faxes, there are a couple systems in Conid that can get into the constellation that like one spent is in and such, but supers can't make the same jump. So with Delve, you're, you do have that. The gap is small enough for a regular capital, but not large enough for a super. So if you're doing supers, you gotta go in a different, a different way, but you're also, you know, you're also saying the same thing with fountain. And that is, you know, there's that same sort of gap there. It's definitely easier to move around. Like I don't think beforehand you would have been able to hit some of these systems you know, easily, but now you can't. Which yeah. is pretty I mean, good. you get like an extra two or three options at those trade points of what you would do normally. But, uh, which is great, but still, you've only got those two or three options and they're still pretty dangerous. But I love it. It's, it just, it still get, gets the hairs of going up on the back of your neck when you're trying to move something that expensive around, you know. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah, I basically did two two stupid carrier moves at various points. We had a I had a Thanatos that I rescued from the middle like the middle of cash. I bought it from somebody out there for some reason. Threw it into asset safety. It pops up out over in Molden Heath, and so I jumped that thing all the way over it, which involved getting in and out of Mimitar faction warfare space. But yeah, the original the original trip down from Saranen to Socked, I came very close to losing everything. It was bad. 
I'm I'm still still amazed myself that I managed to get two carriers out of a wormhole by myself without any support, and then all the way to the other end of the universe. This is when I left Brave and, and joined NC. Um, I managed to get two carriers out via a wormhole because we couldn't jump them through because BL Black Legion controlled the those points that had the bridges and we couldn't go through cloud ring either so i had to take them out through a wormhole of which someone who was going out to collect newbies from the rookie system raged at me about because i collapsed the wormhole on my way out <laughs> um and then jumped them all the 14 jump sino jump the entire way to uh, Hassatine, where NC was deployed at the time, only to get told the following week would go and go over to Iridia. <laughs> so I was like, God damn it! <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, it does. It's to be carry heroics until somebody comes up with a better topic conversation. <laughs> sounds like Tiberius just did, but I want to tell this story. Um, <laughs> at, at one point during the war, uh, decision was sort of made that, hey, we're going to go up into Vino and we're going to try and even go in through the soft underbelly, which, you know, the, the Churchill overtones there were just a little too much. <laughs> but I decided that I wanted to try and just get some ships up into um, one of the systems we had a Citadel in, which was just like two jumps out of the very southern end of Declan. I figured, okay, well, you know, if I try and if I try and make all of these you know, all these things manually in, you know, this trip manually in all these different ships. I'm going to have a really hard time with it. So, you know what? I'm just going to try jumping my carrier up there, which involved me sitting in said carrier cloaked in a Moa Sov system for the most harrowing 40 minutes of my Eve existence. Until I could finally jump out. Only to be made more harrowing when the time came to move, you know, to you know, start getting out, getting ready to get out of Serenin. I had to get this carrier out of Venal, pick up all my ships in this Astrohoose, which I couldn't dock at, and then, and then you know, get all the way out. But what, what happened was, is there was a fight going on further down the pipe from the Citadel. So all these slice guys kept warping through. So I'd like I'd log in the carrier. I'd see you know a saber pop up on D scan, panic you know panic log out. And then realize, oh wait, he's going down the pipe. Log the carrier back in, you know, like you know, like four caracals jump in, go through, and I do the same thing. And, oh, it took it took me like two hours to load that carrier up. So dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it, but isn't that sort of stuff? Is what I mean. It seems like a really bloody mundane thing to everybody. Else. Oh, you're just moving this thing from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. why didn't you just fast travel in a game or something like that? But that's. That's just one of the little quirks of Eve that makes experiencing Eve so much fun. Is the fact that you're you're doing stuff like that, and you're always kind of worried something is going to go horrifically wrong, and you're possibly going to lose everything in a big fiery ball of explosion fire. You know, yeah. and that's one of the things I love so much about this game. It's just you well, know, the other, well, the other kind of thing is that like you know what you're like, you know, a, a lot of games. They will have that kind of thing, but the stuff that you're moving means almost nothing, right? So it's it's great that like you have the you know that Eve has this level of consequence, um, mm-hmm. and and that 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 brings the whole thing together. You know, moving everything, moving this kind of stuff with this level of thing with with the 
you know, the level of work that you've put in or to actually, you know, obtain it and have it and, you know, and utilize it um, is probably the icing on the cake on that one. It makes everything worthwhile. I think the thing is worthwhile. Do, what do you guys think of um, CCP's latest advertising marketing thing? Some of them are pretty damn cringeworthy. Any <laughs> <laughs> particular one that springs to mind that was cringeworthy? Um, specifically the first one that came out with the guy talking about, oh, I went out and took everything I owned. It's like, that one was just like, Oh, Asher. How <laughs> could you be so mean to Asher? Oh. Oh, voice group laugh. You know, he's such a cool I, dude. I, I, I think <laughs> I think the only thing that the only thing that went kind of against that was like you know, I mean I guess it's accessible for people coming into the game. Like oh yeah, we could probably relate to that a bit. But like, I think there's probably more epic kind of stories than that sort of thing. So I I don't know whether they were kind of thinking to themselves like ah oh, do we do one which is more accessible for people coming into the game or do we do one that's more kind of like grandiose you know. I think because um, I think it's old news by now, but I was actually part of the process um, for people that were chosen to do those videos. And so I have a little bit of insight on the initial brief. I didn't get past like the initial stages, so I didn't know what to do afterwards and, you know, what ones they got coming up. Um, mm -hmm. But this was like what we're seeing is like the, the end result of that process. And... Um, the 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 interview question was explain even 40 seconds and oh was that what my they asked just, me? yeah explain even 40 seconds because you look at these videos and they are about a minute and 20 long each of them and mm -hmm. these people are trying to and and it was it was the emotional experience of it as opposed to you know the epic grandiose story type thing it was how does playing the game make you feel and that was kind of the benefit of it. I kind of derped up because I started talking away about my first major battle. It was the Battle of Azekai and started wandering around into the politics of it, as I do, because I enjoy having a ramble. Um, as if you guys don't know, I do. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and that was, that was basically the brief. It was, you need to do it in 40 seconds because these are meant to be like the sort of YouTube type adverts that people see at the beginning of their YouTube videos and things. So you see, it's like the 10 second clip with the hook line and then the rest of it, the, the other minute of it is the actual story itself, but they can't do more than that because they have to pay to show those things. So, and they're paid by the link and it's to get people hooked on as quick as possible. So ah, that's, okay. that's what they're doing basically. Yeah, I mean, to to be absolutely fair to the that first video, I don't think it was the story that was super cringy. I just think the edit job was <laughs> not painting it in its best possible light. I, I think I think there would have been a. I, I can't tell you what it would have been, but it feels to me like there would have been a better way of presenting that story to make it. I don't know. I yeah. Jane's film ones was better though. Yes, yes, that one was very good. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Especially that guy's laugh at the end of it. Holy cow. <laughs> like, I loved that. That was pretty good. And then, of course, we had um, Sindel Pellion's one released the other day, which is all about exploring. Oh. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch that yet. Are we going to do that right now? I was going to uh, 
actually cut to one of them potentially. Um, there you yeah. go. You can find uh, Sin the Sindel Pillion one because I don't think a lot of people have seen that one yet. That'd be pretty cool to actually cut to. Um, I mean, if people don't want to actually, you know. Uh, I guess we can talk about it. Like, let's just watch it. And then the where's the Sindel Pillion one? Like, if someone could like just link me up, it'd be really cool. Yep, I on it, on it. I can chuck it into the actual stream, which would be really, really cool. Uh, subscriptions, Eve Online, uh, and then of course the Orbit Around the FC one as well. Which is great, mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. I love it. And Rick's was really awesome too, with the editing. There you go, I threw it into the uh, show prep one. Oh, Man, thank you. I, can't, I still can't get why Rick's hasn't been snapped up by some marketing companies. He's, he's so creative in what he does. He used to have his own marketing company. Ooh, yeah. Very successful one by all means as well. Totally. Something had the most rotten luck. Like I think that's Brix's issue. He just has some rotten luck. Yeah, some people just do get the the bad luck on a regular basis, don't they? It does well, seem that way. I think it. I think it comes and goes. Like I mean, to be honest, uh, you know, when you kind of look at it, it does even out. That's the thing of the like. You're kind of breaking into the realm of the the law of large numbers here, right? Whereas yeah, totally. you know, sometimes you, you you may seem like you know, you get a run of bad luck, but like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you probably, it evens out with, uh, you know, it evens out, like, uh, overall, as it were. So it's all good. Fun fact, um, there's currently 3,000 people watching Eve streams at the moment. Ah. Well, I imagine there's there's a few watching, uh, you know, an MTACO kind of Eve stream at the moment. Um, in actual fact, we can just quickly, if it's still going yep it's still there um i'm gonna quickly change the uh the cam to our judo cam with some other interesting stuff going on uh yeah there we go a bunch of you know a bunch of people just hanging out on an undock as it were um that may chime in uh currently watching the undock uh been seeing a steady uh bridging out of people so it's been a steady evac for like the past hour. Mm. Yeah. And in Peco? Uh Yeah. I currently have my stream running up right now. There's been a levy sitting on the um, the Keepstar, and people have just been bridging out every, every so often. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching it too. That's pretty nice. Well, I, 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 uh, quickly, I quickly had a quick look around, and there was a bunch of scorpions on. So I was like, ah, take a quick gander at that. Chuck the uh, video feed over there. Yeah, the scorpion hole is so good looking. It it's, is, isn't it? Yeah, like I, I was running a solo PvP one at one point, and I was I got into a debate on comms with somebody like the merits of like a burst jammer versus a targeted jammer, and finally somebody else in the channel goes, "Wait, we're having this argument about a scorpion? Why are you flying that?" Because it looks <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's really not. This is the thing that I'm sorry, go for it. All I was going to say is it's, this is one of the really sad things that I, I really regret about you. I don't get to fly the scorpion hole any way near I should do. Like, <laughs> I just never get to use it. I want to use it all the time, but I never. they never give me a doctrine with it. Oh, yeah, that does suck. Yeah, even for blobs, I always buy this uh, a Widow, and it just sits. Even just for bridging, it just sits. Yeah, but you have rattlesnakes. Uh, rattlesnakes or any of those they're just they're such a hot looking ship but um yeah 
Snake's really See, the only one that's used a lot. And I, it's, it's so disappointing. Well, the rattlesnake is like an amazing, like a backstop. It's an amazing doctrine. ship. It, it, is, it is the brick wall, effectively. Like, if, if you are an attacking force and you're going in, you want things like rattlesnakes um, to form the, the the main line of your defense because they're, they're tough, they hold the front line, they do really good DPS. Um, but if you're an attacking force, attacking fleet, you never get to use them. And then you, you have to solo mech. in it. I mean, they're well, pretty that's solo, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never say never, bro. Don't let your dreams be memes. Oh, wow. <laughs> you just did that, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you just did the dream be memes thing. God damn it. And it totally worked, too. You get wrecked. <laughs> he did Brutal. use it in a proper way. He so, did. Yeah. Brutal. Savage. Wrecked. Ooh. But I'm pretty snobby, and I won't fly solo ships without MJDs. Just because I, I don't know, like, I just love them. I love the mobility options that they provide. So you know, people will be like, "Oh, you want to do cruisers?" I'll no, I'm bringing a battle cruiser. Or hey, we're doing kitchen sink. I'll show up in a battleship every time. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had one like little kitchen sink room we did the other day where everybody else was in like frigates and destroyers, and there was like one cruiser in. Somebody's like, oh, you want to come? I'm like, sure. So I undock a rapid, heavy, dual, extra large, insulated shield booster Raven. Everybody's <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? This is awful. Have fun keeping up, bro. Yeah. Oh, it, it was really fun. We we got all the way. We got out into Aquarius and got really bored. And then this like random sign-up goes up in the system. We're like, yeah, why not? Let's work to that. It ended up being this Vexer had lit one on a citadel so we killed him and then he undocks again and just scrams everybody somebody guns the citadel and just kills half of us including my scorpion or my my raven rip right rip your raven <laughs> the funny thing was is like is i is i've been scrammed so i couldn't i couldn't like actively try and run away and one of my fleet one of the fleet mates comes in and he manages to bump the the vexer that's scramming me off far enough the scrams no longer apply I, I start spooling my MJD and like two seconds before it goes off, the Citadel blows me up. I was so pissed. Oh, I would be so pissed. <laughs> I almost got away. <laughs> that reminds me of um, that reminds me of a time where I was having a fight. This was this was now like two years ago. I was in Brave, um, and I I just like got Hicks up to like level four, and I was like, yeah, I can fly it on Hicks. Look at it, it's awesome. Um. And I was flying around the Onyx, and the people were like, oh, we're going to go out in the Rome. I was like, yes, I'm bringing the Onyx. I was like, you sure? That's quite expensive for a T1 cruiser Rome. I was like, well, yeah, I'll just bring it anyway, because you might need bubbles and stuff. So I brought that <laughs> along. And um, we got into a fight on a gate, and we were like, yep, 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 we can do this. And there I am. I'm, like, bubbling them, and I've got my 100k EHP tank on it. Um, nice. And then the, the other part of the fleet jumped in. Not the bit that we engaged, the other bit of the fleet that jumped in. And we're like, oh, okay, now we're at number three to one. Um, this is bad news. So I'm like cycling it down, cycling it down. I'm panicking a little bit because back then, like like two and a half years ago, three years ago, like um, a hick was really expensive for me. And I knew this thing wasn't going to be covered up the SRP, so I was panicking a little bit. Um, and all I see in this in the chat window as my 
as my hick bubble cycles down and my uh, aggression starts cycling down, is this guy who's flying a simi going, not simi, a scythe? Scythe. That's the T1 logy mimetology. Yeah, T1 mimetology. Yeah, he says, don't worry, man, I'll keep you alive. (laughs) And there he is. He is repping me as this entire bloody fleet is trying to kill me. Damn. He's keeping me alive. My my shield is just eking down, eking down, eking down, little bit by little bit. Um, the rest of the fleet escapes. My aggression runs out. I jump through the gate, and he dies. And oh. I was like, man, that guy just like threw himself on his sword for me. Did you buy him a new ship? Well, of course I did. I bought him ten new ships. <laughs> I was about to say, like you know, I'd be, the value I'd... of a hick, definitely. Hell yeah, just a bit. <laughs> Gotta love being offered as tribute. Mm-hmm. Right, um, I'm going to quickly put on the Sindel. Is it Sindels? Um, my yep, story Sindel. kind of thing on the uh, uh, on the stream. So uh, uh, we can have a little bit of a uh, like a one and a half minute break. But uh, yeah, hopefully this uh, goes all to plan. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah, yeah, totally. We'll soon find out. I don't care what anyone says, it's simply stunning. For me, I just want to go out and see what I can find. It's really easy to just go shoot things, or to go mine things, but exploring, it's really a science. It's, it's very dangerous. That's like really the only goal I have, is just don't die. But in any regular system, there's just, there's just planets, and there's so many different kinds. There's the barren planets, and there's lava planets. It looks like the planet's on fire. Storm planets, there's these spectacular lightning shows that just rumble at different spots. You see things twinkling off in the distance. When you warp to the sun, the sun actually, you can see the heat patterns radiating off of it. And the next thing I know, five hours have gone by, it's two o'clock in the morning, and I haven't even gotten that far. Everybody's been somewhere but you can't say that somebody has been everywhere. There is one named planet in wormhole space. I decided it was my God-given duty to go find this thing. It was proving impossible. After trying for a couple of months on my own, I was approached by a group saying, we can help you find this, we roll it all the time. And they fly me out. I found it and I must have just spent hours just staring at it. And we're back. What'd you guys think of that? I thought it was awesome. I definitely think it highlights that there's lots of stuff to do in EVE aside from shooting people, which, I mean, shooting people is fun, but, you know, there, there's just so much more you can do. It's if you have something you want to do in the game, it's probably possible to make it happen in a way that you can't get anywhere else. If. That is an interesting question, actually. If CCP turned off the servers tomorrow, what would you guys be doing? I <laughs> honestly don't know. I would probably go back to fueling my massive war game Red Dragon addiction, which I just spent $10 on buying Yugoslavia and the Finnish as a DLC pack, and I've played one game as the Finns. So <laughs> I, I really should, you know do more with my $10 investment there. <laughs> a whole $10. Amazing. <laughs> yes. I must get my money's worth. I, 
Yeah, if they I'll shut get... down the servers tomorrow, it would literally be get in the fetal position, try not to cry, and then cry. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody if find I... that image. We gotta put that image up. <laughs> I mean, there really isn't any other sci-fi game that even touches this in, in... the meta side and in the in-game side. It really isn't. That's the kind of funny thing when you kind of, when you when you go deep, like hot and heavy into Eve for such a long time, and you can come back out on the other side, kind of thinking, ah, oh, well, there must be like you know, you you get this kind of like, oh, there must be some kind of better game out there, you know, in that kind of sense. And in actual fact, you look around, and you kind of go, you you kind of get, you you lose a sort of perspective, I guess, maybe. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you sort of come back, come out, and you kind of like if you spend a little time away from the game, you kind of you you do end up coming back to the game with a lot more respect, a lot more kind of uh, like feeling of uh, actually this game is pretty deep and pretty awesome, and being able to like and CCP as as a developer being able to just uh, keep it going and not end up accidentally you know, tripping over themselves and destroying it in some way, shape or form is uh, is impressive, actually, from a developing kind of perspective. I think that article that was recently posted about, um, you know, investors wanting to sell or something like that, I kind of briefly read it, but uh, oh, yeah, it goes yeah, into yeah. there's there's no other um, company that would like take this game and keep it going um, no. and even listen to no, players not. the way that our devs do. Not at all. Or strike the balance in between. Yeah, and that, and that's what, I mean, that kind of is what makes me sad about a lot of things because we give them so much grief. I mean, holy cow, we give CCP devs so much grief over everything. You know? We definitely do. And at the, yeah. Yeah. And at the but, end of the day, they do a pretty good job. But the thing is, yeah. it's kind of like I can kind of understand sort of where they're coming from in it like where where players are coming from in it because like us as players and especially as player groups um we're so well we're all we're constantly looking for that edge like over each other so Ooh, when it comes down to you know the whatever actions the ccp as a developer kind of you know ends up end up doing uh, even you know, even completely accidentally, you know, that ability for uh, player groups to basically latch onto that and use it as a, a means to sort of, uh, you know, uh, overtake each other. Um, it does... Uh, that. It's that, um, alongside the amount of vested interest and vested uh, work that we've put into all the different things that we have in the game that just kind of it does spiral it does seem to spiral it out of control in terms of like the amount of drama that can kind of you know erupt but like the small thing yeah over the smallest yeah. things but like when you kind of take a bit of a backseat kind of perspective look at it it's you know it's actually fairly surprising from a you know from a just a from just being a game Honestly. Hey, uh, real quick, going back to the whoever was talking about the scorpion hull and scorpions and everything, there's one getting waxed on the freaking Keepstar right now. 
was actually looked... for some reason warped up to the keep star and he's just he's getting pummeled right now by thrashers oh nice wow is yeah, that the one that was smart micro jump drive out and he he micro jump drive right into the keep star and they're still first <laughs> oh, oh I, was, I was wondering what that was from and i thought like oh that, that was probably the one that was being like that did he was was he smart bombing yeah, i think it was just off camera yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of went up close to it a little bit, and then he just disappeared. I thought they killed him, but he MJD'd right into the Keepstar. <laughs> <laughs> I always love those times when you, I always love those times when you maneuver in some way and realize, you know, after the fact that you put yourself in a massively worse situation than you were before. Um, <laughs> the the last Hyperion that I went out and flying for those for those of you who know me, you know that the Hyperion is, is kind of kind of my thing. I will show up to it. Anything I was referred to as a more retarded Baltech one at one point by an individual in Theta who shall remain unnamed. When I kept showing, when I kept, when I kept showing up to gate camps in the Hyperion, mm -hmm. I, I just snapped one that he's like, "You're like a more retarded Baltech." And I'm like, <laughs> "What are you something. talking about? What do but you any, mean?" Yeah, but any, anyway, so I was out, you know, just dicking around with it in. Uh, Placid, I think during yeah during the war and such. I had it, you know, I staged away from Saturn. And I was just like, having fun, and I see some PL guys in local, and I decide, okay, well, you know, I'm just gonna jump this gate, and then I'll, you know, I'll get away. And I jump through the gate, and then there's a there's a PL hick on the other side. I'm like, no. <laughs> so so I, I I evaded I evaded the gang only to run smack into a random Hector in a battleship, and yeah, that that went about as well as you think it would. Oof. Yeah. Oh no! There's this poor hound that went in to go save him. He's getting his freaking his ass handed to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I offer myself this tribute. <laughs> Don't worry, friend. I will save you. Oh, why, why, why won't anyone save me? Save me! <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is oh, this is gonna turn out to be a good day. Oh, yeah, I'm sure oh, it's gonna it's, it's it's gonna be a glorious day in whatever fashion, whatever shape it's gonna be. So. <laughs> I did actually. I wanted like to point I... out, like, um, like when we were talking about the whole kind of uh, that breaking kind of thing about, um, like, uh, CCP uh, re reevaluate, like, revaluing their their company. Hmm. Um, I don't know whether it's like whether it's just them, like, trying to actually more accurately. If, like evaluate their uh, like their the worth well, of their company because like I know when I was doing you know when I was doing my degree um, putting together like uh, a company plan and stuff like that like you you end up going and getting accurate you you want to get as as accurate kind of um, a report on your cost your expenditures and all of that kind of thing. And one of the things that I had to, you know, that, that you had to kind of do is sort of figure out where your office space is going to be, how much it's going to be and stuff like that. And you can't really do that sort of just based on numbers that you pluck out of thin air. So you do have to kind of get in touch with people to, you know, get get in touch with, you know, uh, like, you know, corporate uh, sort of office space rental companies kind of thing. And they do tend to follow you up as if you genuinely were going to get office space. Um, so I'm, I'm there kind of thinking to myself, like, is that how it's applied, 
like in other kind of areas like did they were they looking to just to sort of more accurately evaluate the the company's worth um by looking to see you know what people would realistically you know offer them to, to actually buy the company like yeah, I mean, probably. So, I mean, companies companies value their companies on quite regularly. Like, it's it's just one of the things that companies do, um, mainly because it looks great on the balance sheet when um, you're like revaluing your valuing the company, and you go, yeah, it's worth X amount of money. Um, it's you know, and it's a nice boost for the own the shareholders of the company as well to know that their part of the company is worth X amount of money. Um, but the problem I had with that article was, well, it was all very well and, and good. But mm. the only source it quoted was people in the know. <laughs> well, literally that like, phrasing, look, like people in the know. That, we, we have it under understanding from people in the know. And that was the thing that kind of just... That sounds a, like a reach, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and, you know, and... Okay, I'm not a professional journalist. I'm just a fake internet space journalist. But having written Enough. about Eve for year for like the last two and a half years, um, and you know somewhere in the region of like 380 articles, um, I kind of like to think I might have learned a few things. <laughs> and when you sit there and you look at a source and they go. Well, and somebody comes to you and goes, oh, well, we have this clue that's going on with this alliance. And, you know, and you go, okay, who's your source? And where, where can you prove this? And they go, well, it's just from people in the know. You kind of go, hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I'm oh, honestly yeah. kind of thinking, I'm honestly kind of thinking it was just a Bloomberg journalist who was like, oh, I have to justify my paycheck this week. So I'm just going to write this article. Oh, look, there's a note in my notebook about this. I heard a rumor. So let's post that down. Yeah, the rumor must be true, <laughs> but I'm not going to cite yeah. my sources. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is I, I a person in the know. Himmler, <laughs> secretly a potato. News at 11. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's just... I mean, did, someone, Wait, did, someone, job. someone was saying, like, they were, you know, in terms of, like, Bloomberg, like, they, it was a fairly slow news day. Um, so chances Ooh. are they weren't just, like, reaching quite seriously for something. So, yeah, journalist justifying his page. I mean, I, I, I used to do it. I, I, I do it for Eve websites all the time. Oh, I need to earn my ISK for the today. Or what do I post? Oh, here we go. This will do. Mm. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it's just something. It's just something journalists have to do. Uh, I thought it was part of CCP's uh, marketing campaign because the video attached to it was just a giant ad for Eve. Maybe. I don't know if that was actually to happen and some other like normal gaming company like you know the EAs or the Blizzards or whatever were to actually take it I think they would take it hold it for a couple months and then they would shut it down because Eve breaks the status quo on everything else uh, it's a game like no other I wouldn't know what to do with it I think there was some speculation that what would happen if Disney bought CCP oh lord You'd have like Princess Jamal action or like dolls and, and stuff. That would be great. And then, then <laughs> it's, yeah, so it immediately turned from when we were talking about Disney doing it to somebody in channel who may or may not be speaking right now complaining about what they did to the Star Wars Extended Universe. And then the next person immediately turned in and was like, hey, what about Eve Legos? 
I'll so, tell you what, the exotic dancers would go away. <laughs> As G Schwartz corrects me, it wasn't people in the know. It was according to people with knowledge of the matter. That's, here's say it, here's That's say almost it. exactly the same. I mean, it might be a little bit wordier, but... <laughs> I know. But it's like, it tries to sound even more pretentious than it did before. It does sound a little and, bit more And, Jack, I'm not making pie tonight. I'm probably going to be doing burgers. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. well, are you, <laughs> but the the question is, are you going to be doing hipster burgers? I think that's. I think people oh, need to know that. I think I've had my hipster burger for the day. <laughs> like seriously. What? Okay. Tell I, us about I, your experience of a... that, by the way. <laughs> what, what do you mean, my what, what, what my, is, my what, ten pound? What, what constitutes a hipster burger? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this resident of Portland is very confused. What the hell do you mean by hipster burger? <laughs> so. I so I I go out. I'm hungover. Like I I drank an extraordinarily large amount of beer last night. Um, I go out to this place that's opened up quite nearby, um, and they have all these like little little like literally what they've done is welded a whole bunch of shopping containers, uh, shop, shipping containers together, painted them all up, and put little like um, food retailers inside them. So I've gone to this place and I'm like. You know what? I, I'm I'm really hungover. I could do with a beer and a burger, and I or, or you know just something really greasy. So I walk past this thing, and I'm like, okay, chicken burgers and beer. And I'm like, that sounds great. Go in. There. It's a Korean chicken burger place. Right. So it's not a regular chicken burger. It's a Korean chicken burger. And I'm sitting there. And I'm scratching my head. I'm like, what the what the hell does a Korean chicken burger taste like? What, 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 what was the, the difference? What, what was the place called again? Um, uh, <laughs> can I say it on stream? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's it's, a, it's a, just another name for a chicken, so I imagine it's fine. Cockfighter, <laughs> which, <laughs> which just sounds even worse. Oh my god! So wait, yeah. so wait. I, I have to interject here, Tiberius. Are you sure you do not live in Portland? Because this is sounding like the most Portland thing ever. I know, right? <laughs> no, I don't live in Portland. But that's what hipsters want to be, right? Like half Euro, half you know their own thing. Well, I guess so. I don't know. But yeah. yeah, I go in there, and it's basically just a crispy fried chicken burger without the lettuce, and tomato, but some weird sort of Asian vegetables put on top, and that's it. And then they charge you twice the amount of money that you would do at a normal burger place. <laughs> Yeah, that pretty much sounds like one of the most Portland things ever, and and I say that with, with the you know greatest respect due for the fantastic amount of food carts and little hole in the wall restaurants we have around here, but that that's that place sounds like you could stick it right in the middle of down, of like East Portland and it would fit right in. There you go. <laughs> that that is probably exactly what they were looking for. Like, that is probably their greatest compliment that anybody could have ever said about them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that was my attempt of getting over the, ha the hangover today, and I just feel a million times worse for it. Go figure. Hey, I know there used to be this food cart. Yeah, there used to be a food cart down by a place where I I worked called Big Ass Sandwiches. So you'd go down there, and you know, you'd I know them. Order stuff. Oh yeah, well they've closed unfortunately. The one in Portland closed. Oh, no just, uh, way. 
Oh man, I used to follow the Twitter just so I could look at the sandwiches they posted. Oh, <laughs> so, so anyway, so anyway, you would get the you would get your sandwich, and it was like an artisan ciabatta roll. You know, they they had some sort of funky name for it because it's Portland, and of course, piled piled high with turkey, roast beef, you know, shoestring French fries, smothered in this spicy cheese sauce and you'd take a bite and you'd feel your arteries begin to just clog it was so <laughs> oh. worth it but what, what else are you gonna do after you know you spend six hours mining in a rock wall in the middle of nowhere and drinking beer because well what else do you do when you're mining i'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the morning though holy cow but it didn't it didn't solve any uh it didn't disillusion me with the fact that the rural call is definitely OP at the moment. Well, I mean, open. oh, that's well, that's that's an like entirely sort of, uh, you know, a whole another massive subject that we can get into in terms of like, you know, the whole mining kind of thing. I mean, and whether it's you know, and, and whether it's actually whether at the moment whether the rural call is actually a good thing for the, uh, uh, you know, the entirety of eve or not like the way i kind of see it is like i think it's potentially probably a good thing right uh, and the, the kind of way that i kind of see that is yeah fair enough it's it, i mean it may crash the market prices you know the the mineral market prices but that oh. that i mean to some degree i don't think that that's too it's more of an enabler, right? The way I kind of see it, it's more of an enabler because it allows um, it allows many kind of many groups to be able to sort of PvP with less uh, with, with more reckless abandon. You kind of get me, like you know, you're gonna get those T1 yeah, ships that are a lot cheaper. You know, end up being a lot cheaper, so people will be more open to kind of throwing it into situations where they like you know previously they may not have like and when i'm when i'm talking about like people i'm not talking about typically talking about like null seckers because null seckers generally tend to make a lot more risk so we tend to be you know throwing more like t2 stuff at each other and t3 well, stuff and capitals that kind of thing but what i'm saying well, is like I you know people to new to the game people who may not have the isk or the skills so you know the way I kind of see it is, you know the, the many the many prices, alpha clones. Yeah, the many many alpha clones. Like you know, getting into their ships. You know, it, it kind of sucks if um, you know getting a, a particular cruiser costs quite a bit of money. Whereas if you if the mineral prices crash somewhat, I, I'm I'm saying somewhat because you know, like I probably wouldn't like to see it go back to in the days when. Um, you know many of the uh you know many of the kind of uh large i would say botting empires i guess sort of in the uh in the drone lands well literally like uh gun mining um but like well, back maybe in the day, some, yeah, yeah when they could the do day. yeah but like you know understandably back in that day like you know t1 ships were really quite cheap in comparison so you could actually mm. you know people and and I think, in a kind of sense, in that uh, and at that time, there was quite a marked amount of you know overall PvP. Um, 
rather than you know the pitch battles that we have and then like you know a lot more roaming by a lot more groups mm -hmm. um, I, i'm just looking I, forward to the day where i can fly a solo carrier cheaper than i can fly a solo marauder but when it when we were talking about the roquels i think we also have to bring into that discussion the 10 light year jump range unkillable for seven minutes hector and I know that's probably a contentious mm, point to bring up. Mm, yeah, good point. Well, I, still, I think, it's, this is better than the 10-minute uh, unkillable Sino, potentially, that it was going to be. I think the, yeah. oh, I'm glad you're right that, with the I'm, Hick I'm glad it didn't come to that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you imagine that? Though? It's like, you know, you would literally have just have... <sighs> the fact they need to stop Rawcalls from being able to entosis. Oh yeah, um, they, well, I yeah. think they already can't once panic's activated. I think it breaks the entosis lock, so you can't. Oh, okay. Yeah, entosis. yeah, it does. What yes. I think they, yeah, what I think okay. they need to do is basically make it so it's sort of like it sort of does the same thing like a network sensor it does on carriers, where if you have the panic activated, any e war modules like oh I don't know heavy warp scramblers, um, just nuke your cap, so you can't keep running them. Um, you know, I, I was not part of the the event in DW in any way. I was sitting in my office following along, you know, going, oh, this is not good. But yeah, it, it just seems like that's, that's a very, very powerful application. And yeah, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for, sure, they're mining a lot right now. They're making tons of money. And maybe that's not the best thing that we need right now. But I think that, I, I think that, the Hector aspect of these things is something CCP isn't looking to address at this time, and that, that worries me. Mm. I'm sure it gets knocked it down. The thing is, it can't point. really move that far. That it, it's it's like it's not invulnerable. Like it's it's immobile when like when panic mode's activated, though, right? Yes, but if you yeah. if you're sinoed in directly on top of something not super maneuverable, like say a Titan, and said Titan is aggressed he can't refit to an afterburner and even then like an afterburning titan is going to take quite some time to get out of scram range and when you get a situation like happened in dw where okay you know there's a ton of newts on you know a ton of energy neutralizers on the field that can just literally strip a shield super of several million ehp in a matter of seconds by turning on its hardeners mm. that's just you know that's very powerful being able to say okay you know in combination with we're going to nuke your cap, you are also going to have something that's going to prevent you from one, warping away, and two, using a micro warp drive to get out of scram range. I think the benefit that Hector, you know, the Hictors have the counterplay of you can kill them. Sure, it might not be the easiest thing to do in a Titan, but you can kill Hictors. Whereas with the Panic Broke, you can't kill it. Yeah, that. I'm talking a lot. Somebody else go ahead. <laughs> I think you're. I think. I think you're very justified in how you're feeling there, man. Like uh, that is. That does seem to be a, a serious kind of issue. Um, sadly, I haven't been on the receiving end of it, so I can't really say anything about it. <laughs> so. Well, that's that's also one of the the classic kind of uh, classic juxta uh, juxtapositions, I guess, um, of Eve is like you know, you, it only really becomes a massive problem, uh, you know. It only super affects you if, like, if it, if the actual if you're actually been uh, on the receiving end or something like that, you know. But 
Now, to be absolutely fair here, and credit where it's due, you know, coming up with that as a use for the Rokal was pretty cool. You know, I I don't think it's, you know, ah, exploit never was intended to work this way. I, I don't think it was something that people thought of until it was done. And I think the fact that it was used is, is pretty cool. Like, it's it's a, you, it was a very unique thing, but I think it's, I think it's one of those unique things that's so uncounterable that it needs to be addressed in some way. Well, there's, there's always one guarantee, and that the players will figure out a way to break it. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. And what other game is going to offer that sort of thing where you can take a mining, a ship that is designed to, or a thing that's designed to harvest material and use it instead to be the ultimate way of making sure somebody dies? Like, what other game is that going to exist in? That I mean, that is the that is the essence of a sandbox, right? Yeah, totally. You know, taking things that were intended for a certain, you know, to be used a certain way and applying it in a different manner that maybe the developers weren't expecting. I, I'm fairly certain that chances are they weren't expecting people to be using, you know, uh, raw calls as, you know, invulnerable hectares. So yeah. Right. If I bow um, out, that's yes, because we're getting ready for uh, for the keep stuff. <laughs> well, I was actually going to uh, uh, chuck onto the stream a uh, um, a really cool video that I saw on YouTube the other day, um, portraying um, the battles that have been taking place in November last uh, last month. Um, so I'm just going like, to fire that one up. Um, that will give uh, us here at the moment like uh, uh, around about three minutes just to chill out before we touch on some other subjects. So yeah. Well, see you all later. I'm uh, out to go and kill a keep star. So uh, thanks for the time. <laughs> thanks for watching. Thank see you very you much. For next week. See um, thanks for being great host. Oh, no props, no props. We'll be back in approximately three minutes after this.
and you're back in the room. Madderall's kind of uh, graced us with his presence oh, today. I don't know about grace, but we jumped <laughs> in. And you guys should too, if you guys want to. Uh, Discord, talking in stations, jump in, hang out with us. Yeah, man. Like, honestly. Uh, if you if you want to, you know, have a little chat, give your, uh, give your opinion on various different po- topics and this, that, and the other, then, yeah, feel free. Uh, got something, got something yeah. a little interesting right now. It's um, about this time last uh, Sunday, we had already seen the PLNC dot uh, super fleet come in and you know hug the ass house, but um, that actually doesn't seem to be the case unless they're holding off until a lot closer. I mean, we only have a, about an hour to go. They, they, playing, they were sitting I, there chilling for almost an hour. They may be playing. I, yeah. I imagine they're probably playing their cards uh, close to their chest this time. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I wonder if, um, here's what I'm curious, if uh, CO2 and Test actually have something of a surprise. I don't know. You never know. I, I mean, think, this could go anyway. I think no matter what, it's going to be a super boring tie-dye fest for those of you who do show up for it. So I wish you luck in dealing with have, with watching your guns take five minutes to cycle. I do not <laughs> envy you in any way, shape, or form. The interesting thing that happened last week was, uh, what was it, Darkness uh, dropped a whole bunch of Suicide Dreads right on the Keepstar, and yeah, that turned out pretty not good for them. We were wondering if it was an insurance thing. It it quite possibly could have been. I also think they used to be allies, so maybe they were giving them something, you know, because getting kind of dwindled down from the outskirts isn't very fun for them. I imagine it wouldn't be, no. (laughs) Ah. Well, I guess as a as a topic of discussion here, I'm, I'll let, mm-hmm. I'll let Rita introduce herself and such first before I go off. <laughs> okay. Assuming she wants to talk. Well, Reeve, Reeve, Reeve. Hey. Hey. There you are. I'm gonna let you get a word in edgewise before I. <laughs> she's before new. I she's a new here. power editor at uh, Imperium News. <laughs> oh boy. Oh wait, she's the new editor in chief. No, no, no. She is the oh. power editor. She's the one that's really cranking the machine right now. I'm so sorry for everything you have to do to fix my writing because I'm <laughs> very terrible at English. <laughs> just in general. Yeah, I've just put the blog out, so I'm. Uh, oh yes, yeah. the live blog, right? Yeah, I've just published that, so I've got that opening edit, and then the Opera stream, and ERJ's stream, um, and the CSP Twitch stream. Um, so that's for the fight. And then I've got, uh, I'm going to have this channel on for the uh, tournament as well, because I'm putting updates on the tournament in the live blog tonight. So I've got a very busy Saturday ahead of me. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, sounds like it. So fine. I'll just uh, quickly chuck the... Uh... Uh, I think it's the live blog uh, on Imperium News, just into chat, like there. So that's the uh, live blog of the uh, final MTECO uh, OE8 timer. O double E8, not M O O E. Move. Oh, damn, yep. <laughs> it's okay. I will edit that immediately. I was thinking <laughs> move at the t- Ah. Do we have a Master of Orion fan in the house? Hmm? Master of Orion fan. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, as I, was, as I was going to say here, um, what do you guys think about the 
usage of Astrohuses and Fortizars as effectively siege camps for what's been going on with the fighting around the Keepstar. Do you think that's working as intended, or is that something I, that CCP should look at? I don't think they thought about it. I don't think they thought about it, but like coming from other games kind of thing, I should have expected it, and it kind of... It's understandable. Like, um, coming from other games, like specifically from like uh, like FPS kind of games, um, specifically, like not many people in Imperium play it that much, and I imagine not that many people from Eve play it that much. But like H one Z one, like when it comes to raiding other people's kind of uh, uh, like you know bases, that kind of thing. Uh, in H one Z one, what you tend to do is you tend to put down um, like raid shacks or raid bases kind of thing um in order to base out of that uh sort of as an as an effective way of you know sieging their kind of uh, their territory um especially if it's like a, a fairly large base you end up putting actual multiple kind of siege bases around so like i can see a lot of uh a lot of similarities from that model uh into this model use you know putting down Astra houses and uh, you know in order to actually siege the um, Taco Fortasar. So, uh, sorry, Keepstar, not Fortasar. Well, I mean, it's also got a lot of historical parallels. Everybody, roll your eyes. I'll give you a second to do that. Oh. Um, but yeah, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of historical parallels too. You know, if you look at if you look at how you know you'd set up for a siege of like a, a castle or something like that. You do have those, those camps that show up around, but I, I'm wondering more from a, like, or I guess it, may, it makes total sense from like a, a tactic standpoint that yes, you want to have some place nearby where you can rebase. But I'm wondering, and this is just kind of the speculation side of things, is the ability for carriers and super carriers to sit on one of those effectively invulnerable, you know, I know they can be shot and things can happen, but is that kind of defeating the purpose of what CCP probably originally intended with how powerful Keepstar's armaments would be? I think they're going to nerf the hell out of that, honestly. I don't think I, they intended for that to happen. Yeah, I don't either. I, I think that they should look at a mechanic where, if, let's say you own the system. Well, in this case, you know, since NC does on the system, it wouldn't work. But if you own the system, then other people can't tether to uh, you know an Asher house. I think that'd be fair. So basically taking away the ability to be safe unless you could dock in that citadel. Because I know there's a mechanic where if you don't own the saw, it does take longer to anchor. So there be, yeah. thereby being longer to find. So you're saying that in the event that you don't own the saw and system, ships that would not normally be able to dock should not be able to tether? I think that would work. Um, you know, I would say give a, like a, you know, like a "Quote unquote tether timer," but then you basically have a ring of these Astro houses. You just keep warping to one to one, one to one. So that wouldn't work either. But maybe there was, there's some mechanic there that would make that work. Because this is, well, it's awesome to look at right now. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at the feed, and it looks great to see these Astro houses surround the Keepstar. It, it seems a little broken that you know PL and C you know warp their supers to these Astro houses. They can sit there until the absolute moment they need in safety, until the absolute moment they need to warp or Sano or whatever they want to do on top of the Keepstar or wherever they could deploy to. Yeah, this is very true, actually. Like, um, I mean, at the moment, it's very much a case of, uh, you know, when you're actually placing down a, uh, 
you know, keeps uh, not keeps up like Astro houses and stuff like that. It does. It takes longer to on uh, to anchor an online, right? Whereas you're not actually completely like not able to drop one if it's your if it's hostile space. So, uh, like that's that's how it is at the moment, right, guys? I believe so. It takes longer longer to anchor longer, longer in to sort anchor. of upwell structure. Mm. In in there, it's like a week timer as opposed to a day or something like that. If you don't own the solve, as far as I'm concerned, like I mean, if it's going to take that long, you know, it, it's if you're in command of uh, the space, um, then that week long timer should be enough for you to kill it. But like, I kind of feel like uh, at the moment in MTECO, um the space is much, you know, much more heavily controlled by PL by NC rather than by CO2. So you know, in the kind of in that kind of situation, I can understand that there's that you know the the Keepstar has been surrounded by you know uh, Astra houses and uh, Fortazars and stuff. Um, so well, it's like a medieval siege, though, right? I mean, at this point, uh, CO2s lost their space around them. They lost their land around them. They're in mm. their final defensive stance in their castle their ak keep star here and so i mean it, it's a lot of parallels to that so i understand the case of them being camped in being surrounded and that should be a valid tactic but i still don't know if if you can have maybe maybe astro houses can only tether so many supers i don't know it just seems a little crazy that you can have the entire pl nc fleet on an astro house and they're all be tethered and i'll be safe well um i would i always thought that like um you know, if you have a weapons timer, you can't be tethered, right? Well, that, that's true, but they can come into the fight, you know, sign out onto the Astro houses and be, they're invulnerable to any kind of, you know, uh, counter tactics while they're on the Astro house without a weapons timer. And Sinos don't get a weapons timer. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But then again, that's kind of a, that, that would be a similar, like, you know, if we move this from, uh, the situation of not having citadels but having pauses with you know pause shields like i mean that would be pretty much exactly the same as you know parking a, a super fleet in a pause or in a bunch of pauses right it you know, is sitting true. there I mean, I mean the only difference is that like you know you can place a, a you know a particular citadel wherever you want rather than you know being rest restricted to literally just being on a single moons yeah so i think the big flexibility there yeah, and I, and I think that kind of betrays where the analogy to the PAW stuff sort of falls apart, is here we have what are effectively safe places on grid with the target in such a way that a carrier or a super carrier can fight with complete safety to the whole, effectively complete safety, mm -hmm. and still be outputting its maximum damage. So I almost wonder if if a better way of doing this would be to maybe adjust the uh, minimum distance between anchored facilities to or anchored you know, upwell structures or citadels to be longer than fighter control range. So that way, if you want to be controlling your fighters, you have to be not tethered yeah, to something or not well, able to instantly be tethered. Here's here's the other option. Having you know watched how this is going, I don't see them putting the distance of all the other little citadels um, out farther. What I do see them doing is, if you're using your fighters and actively giving damage, they're going to cut your tether. That's what I see them doing. 
Well, that, 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 that's already the case. What, I, what I'm getting at here is that all you need to do in the event you start getting shot is call your fighters off. And you'll have the and, amount of time that you need as as being a super. Just you know, in terms of your your hit points and you know your kind of uh, support around you to be able to de-aggro and you know get tethered back in. I imagine. Well, I think well, we're we're having a symptom of not having the full CCP slash Seagull envision of of structures in place yet because there's other structures that are going to be coming into this game. I think they're going to be affecting how we fight on grid and how this is done. It's just we don't have them yet. So I think we have an incomplete picture of what this is really going to look like in hopefully another, you know, two years. Yeah, yeah. Because it's supposed to be, what, battle platforms or something? Maybe that'll help. Maybe the, you know, sensor towers that do something. I mean, there, there seem to be pieces, pieces missing right now from a full-fledged, you know, owning your space, living in your space, structure-style, you know, uh, well, that also comes down to when they, you know, get rid of, you know, your uh, towers and so on. What are you going to do with your jump bridge? And then that's when they're going to probably introduce the uh, player-owned Stargates. Right. So it's it's just, yeah, it's, it's, the release date is kind of weird on that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, personally, I, I, I do kind of feel very much like there's a large amount of sort of tertiary, tertiary structures that are, that should be more towards, geared towards enriching, like, enriching uh, sovereignty space, you know, um, to kind of counteract the, I, I guess, the more uh, attacker-centric or attacker kind of cent uh, sort of... Uh, attacker bias? Uh, yeah, sort of like attacker bias um, that our, the current sovereignty system is, like sort of has at the moment. And it's, I kind of feel like that's what's missing at the moment. Like, um, we kind of, we're getting by with the fact that we have citadels, you know, in its various different forms. But if we didn't have citadels, we would be, I kind of feel like we'd be in a much more, uh, by, you know, it's very much, much more uh, polarized kind of viewpoints. You know, people hating the solve, people loving the solve in that kind of sort of sense. So, like, you know. Well, let me parrot some old talking points here. Um, yeah, yeah, go for it. We, we've already seen how a lack of citadels affects the way Agasov or Fazisov or whatever you want to call it plays out. And we saw that happen in the war in the north, which, you know, World War B, Casino War, whatever it is you want to call it. I know I'm probably yeah. going to get shot for a few of those. Yeah, it's fine, um, it's fine. Yeah, so um, you, you saw how that played out where the only places that you could stay safe were either passes or stations, which were very easy, relatively, to flip mm -hmm. around. And it made it so the Imperium, after a certain point, um, couldn't effectively live in the space that they were trying to defend in some way it meant that you know we had to do that withdraw to to losec to serenin a place where we could not be harmed in terms of having our our main market shut down or our main staging system having people locked out of being able to get there you know it it really did make that change so citadels in a way 
were are really complementary to the soft system in a farms and fields versus castles sort of way. The sovereignty system as it exists now really does feel to me like it's it's meant to be the farms and fields sort of thing. Like, hey, you know, you get bonuses for controlling it, but it's not absolutely essential to control it anymore to live in that space. What is essential is in a, is somewhere you live, which is you know these these castles and. Which I think a keep star is a very appropriate name for the largest one because it, it does in fact represent what would be the eve equivalent of a medieval keep. In yeah, that it's yeah. just this this giant thing that if you don't get it out of the way, sure you can bypass it as much as you want, but you leave it too long in your rear and it's going to bite you in the logistics chain. Hey, yeah, I I and I I think that's a really 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 good. Uh, analogy actually but to also uh talk about you know kind of more on the ncpl side of stuff you know they're a very organized group no matter what ccp comes out with structure wise you know they're they're going to find their way to do what they're doing now and and, they're, and they've been organized the entire time i mean look at look at the four ash houses surround the keeps are i mean they've they know what they're doing and they know how to do a siege really well um and and I like that it looks like this. I think this is very appropriate that this is going to happen the way it's happening. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. It's like this is, you know, this is using the mechanics in the way that they currently allow for it. And I, I think it's great that, you know, we do see this developing. And, you know, me being somebody who really likes history, if you've read some of the stuff I've written for INN about, you know, comparing various aspects of eve to various things with the naval history you'll hopefully understand that this is something i really really enjoy i i love that we do see you know siege camps go down we do see you know okay we're gonna we're, we're setting up to be able to maneuver around this fixed defensive structure it really is bringing to mind the um, quote and i forget who exactly said it that fixed defensive structures are a monument to the uh like ignorance of mankind in military matters it is something like that and basically <laughs> like if you're relying on fixed defensive structures as your whole thing you're you're really really bad at your job as a military person um yeah see example Maginot line um <laughs> which you know is but it, it's fun we're seeing it play out that way i'm just wondering i, I guess to to put a specific question out here it, does it seem like good gameplay mechanics for carriers and supers to be able to apply all this damage while while being effectively safe to a certain degree. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna cut it. They're just not gonna cut it at this fight, or there would be you yeah. know, massive tears on either side. So they're gonna wait. And you're gonna see the patch come out, and it'll it'll happen. They're gonna nerf that. It will. All right, guys, I gotta head off. I will catch y'all later. All right, see ya. Alrighty, man. Thank you very much for. Uh... You know, for uh, taking part, being here. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. See ya. See ya. I'm gonna quickly cut back to uh, to MTAC O very quickly. Uh, some random stuff going on at the moment. Uh, some groups have come onto grid. Yeah, NC have got their uh, there's their Macario fleets out and their uh, Archon fleets etc and horde are still throwing scorpions at stuff it seems <laughs> never not throw scorpions at random things it works so well and they look so good as well 
They do. They do. Like the the widow, like any any of the um, Kalatoya, and I'm pronouncing that horribly wrong for anybody who actually knows how to say that. Um, those <laughs> ships, the ones with the black um, black base paint and red chevrons. So you know, like the Nighthawk, the Stork, Onyx. Oh, yeah. Those ones. Th- those are the only ships in game that I will never skin because the defaults look so good. Definitely. I mean, I, I am a giant space Barbie. I buy skins for everything, but I refuse to do it for those ships because they just look so good. I think, honestly, that skin looks the best on the Widow. It's like, that makes the Widow. That skin does, a red stripe and black. I'm just so happy that they made one for the Golem. Not that I can oh, fly yeah, the Golem right that's now. Really good. Actually, my, uh, when, I, when I started EVE, my dream ship that I always wanted to fly, it wasn't a Titan or anything, it was a Widow. So that's why uh, Reaver is Kaldari, and that's why I had pretty much all my skill points in E-War and E-War related things. Um, yeah, because that was, that was what I wanted to end up flying eventually. And now I can fly one, but uh, I never fly one. So I should get one and just go and fly around a bit sometime. You should totally try and solo blobs drop somebody. It would be really fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, me and one of my friends have talked about uh, going out blops trolling in uh, low sec sometime. I mean, I, I've had fun doing stuff like that before, but I've only been a- I've only ever been able to go in a torpedo bomber or like one time in a Stratios. And the one time I went to Stratios, we dropped on a carrier, and that was it. Like we killed the carrier, and then we then we had nothing else for like the next week. Jesus. Well, I would yeah, say we were bored. So we were talking about, yeah, let's get some blops and go to low sec. And when we see people fighting, just uh, jump in and start repping each side. Um, yeah, and then just troll around low sec like that. So we'll probably do that when we're drunk one evening. Yeah, just get like some remote rep legions or something. Yeah. That would be fun. I'll just land on gates and just start blapping random people in who are already engaged in fights. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Yeah, it sounds like a really good drunk thing to do. Yeah, no, I, I have seen a couple of blob straps go like horribly wrong, which was kind of hilarious to watch. We had a guy in, you know, back in the day in Declan who dropped in via a prospect. You know, he'd drop in like five or six stratii and just, you know, go to town on somebody. He did it onto a rattlesnake one time, but he made the mistake of dropping on a PvP rattlesnake that then proceeded to bag all six stratioses. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, it was it was Vic Jefferson and his crew. And Vic was just so fucking pissed about it. He's like, he's like, oh, you're stupid bird. <laughs> going off in local, and the whole time this rattle this rattlesnake pilot is Russian, so he does he's not just re- he's not responding to any of it. So it's just it's just this chill Russian dude just kills them all. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> So then, of course, what do I do the next time I'm out, I'm out roaming around in the Hyperion? I manage to find a Proteus and get dropped on my bluffs game and just die horribly. Because oh, I'm really bad in this game. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all say that we've been in that same kind of situation. Or at least a, at least a fair amount of the uh, sort of bit of vets, if anything. You know. Well, it does seem as though local in... Uh, MTO we are at 3k. Is over, is that just past 3k? Yeah. So uh, we just passed 3k. It's, uh, it's starting to uh, heat up up in uh, up here. In and uh, tie dye keeps going in and out at this point. So yeah, we are at 68 percent tie dye right now. So that just uh, does not sound pleasant in any way, shape, or form. It, no, it, when it gets to 10, that's when you want to go hang it, yourself. It's <laughs> yeah, it's fine. 68 is fine. Like yeah, when it when I guess that's when I guess like when I guess 10 percent, that's when. Uh, that's when old school lag 
starts to come in. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been in a couple of those. Um, the the first Titan I was on a kill mill for, and then the preceding next three was one of those. We, it was the one where uh, I think it was Snuff and Imperium guys bridge on top of I think it was Shadow Cartel and mm-hmm. NC. We killed two NC Titans, two Shadow Cartel ones, but. I on the third one, I managed to burn out my entire rack of of tachyons on my APOC Navy, and so we start firing <laughs> the fourth one. Oh no, I can get these kill mills because I I lost my light drones at some point. So I'm, I'm looking at my empty drone bay, and then I realized that somehow these three bouncer ones that I dropped at the very beginning of the fight were still alive, and that was how I got <laughs> on the fourth nail. Nice. So, but but I I just remember like I just remember like hitting the button. And then waiting for like, you know, five minutes real time for them to finally shoot this Titan like two minutes before it died. I was like, Whew. get on this kill man. You know, the, the, the funniest kind of things like being in the whole kind of BTAC R sort of fight. Like, I I, I think the, the most sort of strange, the, the strangest thing that I ever sort of experienced in, that, in BTAC R was like... Um, like at so at one point you kind of realize, you know, I'm not like unless you're in like a super cap, like you're not really gonna affect the fight as such. Um, you know, I tried, I, I I tried sort of going around as you know as a dictator trying to make sure that like you know certain things were bubbled and stuff, but like eventually you just end up kind of going, well, you know, things are gonna either gonna die or they're not gonna die. Like, um, but like, try. Um, I think at one point I ended up trying to sort of going, oh, well, you know, I'll. I'm going to attempt to at least to to try and uh, like salvage a Titan Rex just to see just to see what you get out of it. You don't get actually get that much out of it, but like it it was hilarious. Um, the fact that you know people were dropping these uh, were dropping what was it the um, mobile tracker units? mobile track yeah the MTUs and there these the MTUs would just grab the titan wrecks and fling them like just fling them at lightning speeds across them <laughs> across the grid or just you know generally across the kind of you know the the you know the area and it's just it was just hilarious sort of seeing uh you know these bear moths of wrecks just suddenly like you know spin up and go like you know a thousand meters a second one way just suddenly it's really strange yeah that's def- that is definitely entertaining to watch <laughs> entertaining to watch uh really quite aggravating if you're trying to trying to grab a uh, titan wreck and and uh you know and we salvage it you just suddenly see your 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 salvage uh suddenly fly a thousand meters a second away from you like no what the what the fuck <laughs> yeah i i know same same fight where those four titans died we had one dude who managed to scoop uh, I want to say it was four uh, top meta officer uh, passive armor armor resistance modules. I forget exactly which ones they were. I think there was an Enan in there. So he gets. So he basically like gets off grid, and then says it after like says afterwards. Oh yeah, by the way, I stole all. You know, like they killed my cousin. So all those mods dropped, and he goes, Oh yeah, I got them all. So he made off, and he made off with like a hundred billion in mods from this one Titan kill, and then sold them back to the guy for like a hundred and thirty bill. Jesus! 
Welcome to Eve. Welcome to, yeah, exactly. Welcome to Eve. I think there, that, that's how you explain Eve in 45 seconds. Pretty yeah, much. I think he now has the title in game of, like, you know, chief representative to the high to the high shekel council or something like that. It's something really funny. That's pretty awesome, though, I have to say. Yeah. I just wish, I just wish I'd been smart enough to do it. That would have been really nice. Always, there's, uh, there's was, always been that situation where you, you kind of hear it and you just kind of go, oh, I wish I was that. I, I wish I was smart enough for that. I wish, you know. It's like, I know I'm too stupid to have done that, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I was just too focused on it. I was just too focused on making sure my guns were cycling correctly on stuff until I burned them out. Yeah, yeah. I, I just completely nuked the entire the entire rack. I was very upset. Oh. I still have that ship, though. I, it was the only battleship that I brought down with me from Saren into Delve. Because I was like, you know what? I, I got on four Titan kills with this thing. I have to hang on to it. Definitely. Well, I mean, to be to be completely honest, like, you know, trying to actually grab loot from Titans, like, even in the middle of a super cap kind of brawl and stuff, it's more difficult than it seems. Yeah, so, especially you know, if there's a lot of tie-dye involved. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I see there's actually somewhere to talk because like fleet is so quiet. Ah, cool. I would get bored otherwise. Well, I mean, is you know, calm before the it is the calm before the storm. Yeah, most definitely. I'm just gonna. Quit yeah, we here. are actually on stream at the moment, which is which is kind of fun. Apparently, people are actually liking you know listening to us talk, which for me is a minor Duh. miracle in and of itself. Well, um, that's that's. Uh, I'm I'm glad that uh, we're providing some level of entertaining, some level of talking points. Um, so yeah, all good. But yeah, there yeah, there, there is always that. There is always that issue. I well, I know that Reeves is like, you know, working like crazy at the moment. Um, so that's the moment live blogging and everything. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm listening. I'm just not taking part much. That's cool. That's cool. But yeah, it's always fairly evident that, like, you know, at the moment it's the kind of the calm before the storm and people, you know, moving chess pieces around at the moment. So, you know, it's all in initially for a fleet member. I, I, I actually kind of I remember this situation sort of like when I used to be involved with a lot of it, like uh, like two years back, two or two to two and a bit years back or so. Like in this kind of situation where, like, as a fleet member, there's not much going on in comms as such. You know, you're there kind of going, oh, it's fairly quite quiet, and we're all kind of, you know, grouped up in certain areas, etc., etc. Um, it's it's so much, it's so different in comparison on the command kind of side of the comms. You know. Yeah, it must be quite horrible to have to uh, filter out all the information. It's it's uh, I. I I don't envy the guys doing it, but like I seriously respect the, uh, you know, the yeah. the the people who have the ability to micromanage all of these various different things. Um, I mean, so, that was one that was one of the things that I really liked about uh, um, uh, that I really liked about um, uh, what's his name. Um, you know, a couple of our, a, a couple of the uh, uh, CFCs, um, Sky Marshals, like they were exceptionally good at micromanaging a whole bunch of different things um, in a kind of, you know, sort of chess piece, you know, uh, sort of situation. Um, and there's also one thing that really helps if that you have a good ECM and uh, Logi uh, commanders, I should say. That's 
like the one thing I I hate um, is when I'm in Logi and this is like a gonna have to guess what you're doing. Um, but if you can take the load off the uh, the fleet commander, it's uh, it's going pretty smoothly. Yeah. So I, I guess as an example to how much that coordination stuff really does pay off, and you have people who know what they're doing. Um, first fleet I ever took out. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with. Um, GSS kind of fleet structure. There's a level, they're like the entry levels, skirmish commanders. You know, there's, you know, occasionally there'll be a, there'll be a poke or a ping saying, hey, you know, does somebody want to take out a fleet during the, you know, to do a thing? One of these I was around and I said, sure, I'll go for it. You know, it's like literally my first time. So if somebody more experienced comes up, feel free to slot in, but nobody else stepped up. So <laughs> I, I get thrust into the middle of a, of a strat op. This was like, this was beginning of, beginning of this year. I get thrust in the middle of strat up as a brand spanking new FC. So I not only have, you know, I'm not only trying to manage all the stuff, get everything around, but I'm also hearing all the command comms for the first time. And there yeah. were several fleets out, several of which, had, or, you know, one of which had big toys in it. And so I'm, I'm like trying to filter all this stuff and I'm doing, I did a really bad job of it. And every single one of the guys who came with me just died in a ball of fire, which <laughs> yeah, had more to do with how terrible I was at combat probing at the time, which I haven't gotten much better, but yeah, it was just like, everybody died. And finally, I was just like, okay, you know, next time I'm not going to volunteer for one of these. Cause that was a little much. <laughs> Well, combat probing in a large engagement, like in a like a big engagement, I'm I'm saying MTACO as a big engagement is like the the you know is lose a lot to be, <laughs> but like you know in any kind of fairly sizable engagement, like combat probing is actually a lot more difficult than you know combat probing on say for example you know just a roam. You know, or if you're going out hunting, you know, ratters and this that, and the other, like, you know, it, it comes, it becomes a lot more about, you know, uh, making sure that you've actually set up your filter lists a lot more. And I think that's one mm -hmm. of the things when when I watch like um, how-to videos on probing, so many so many videos like that, like they completely either don't even mention it or like gloss over it so quickly and it's it's like a critical thing you know yeah and i mean and i mean some of it is just like you know when you're in a pre-positioned fight you just got to get your probes initially set up on grid like that's that in that particular instance was what i was having a hard time doing was getting the like i, I didn't i didn't preset my probes on grid partially because i've been sent off as a picket somewhere and half my guys died because i didn't quite comprehend the runaway you're about to get nuked by a bunch of cerberuses um yeah. So yeah, half my guys died to a bunch of serves on a gate because I forgot to work this off. Um, but, you know, part of it was just that I was trying to set it all up and then the same serves came and killed everybody else. So in, in other words, in long, the TLDR here is jackdaws are really, really bad against Cerberuses. Don't use jackdaws to fix serves. It just doesn't go well. <laughs> you kind of think, oh, well, you know, they're, they're comparable. We can kind of... Uh, did you... I imagine the the thought process was we could probably speed tank them, right? No, the thought process was, okay, I need to get in and I need to tackle some stuff for main fleet to kill. Wait, why am I tackled? What's going on? <laughs> oh, bugger. 
that, that was kind of the process there. I was also on a I was also on a really small display at the time, so my probe scanner window was covering a lot of stuff, and I only realized, you know, as I'm tackled that oh wait, they just they just dropped like twenty serves right on top of me. Oops. Oops. Yeah. And 20 serves, you know, or actually do output a fair amount of DPS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So we're kind of, I think, on the stream at the moment. We're just uh, we're looking at, uh, I think it's NC? No, it's PLs. PLs. Uh, typhoons. It's all PLs, typhoons, yeah. Looking pretty, pretty, yeah, MC, uh... very pretty. MC are also down with uh, typhoons at the moment. Yeah, there's a fair amount of typhoons, but then again, when you go through the overview, like it's like, yeah, there's a lot of typhoons. There's a lot of everything. There's actually a fair amount of everything. <laughs> you know, there's yeah, a fair CCP, amount of scorpions. Yeah, CCP have just said that uh, the population in the system is already in the top ten uh, ever. So yes, yep. it's going to be quite big. Three point seven k at the moment. Three thousand seven hundred. Uh, and I don't think we've yet even... Meanwhile, the system yep. I'm in with two of my pilots has five people in it, and I'm two of them. <laughs> did anybody did... catch the post yesterday of a uh, guy who posted uh, Beaker and uh, what the CCP server is going to look like? It's, it's going to burn uh, down everything. It, uh, it was, was comical. I was going to say, it's probably got to do with some kind of fire slash things burning. <laughs> I'll see if I can locate it. It was actually I couldn't stop laughing. I had to keep watching it over and over. Okay, I'm gonna drop it out because I've gotta uh, do the live blog. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. See ya. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, yeah. Take care. Something. Oh, I'm already something... at 12 FPS. My God. <laughs> I'm at seven. <laughs> uh, but then again, I'm seven. I'm, I'm at seven, and I'm on like high. So you know. Yeah, I already got potato mode. <laughs> So, there's like 500 scorps on grid. <laughs> I'm literally so. on 1080p with everything on high, so yeah, and everything except the drone models. So, I'm surprised I'm getting what I'm getting at the moment. Speaking of servers, I just I just threw into links um, probably oh, one of the most applicable clips for what's happening at the Tranquility server site right now. Oh yeah. Is that the... Oh, where's the links? Hang on. Man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs> I love that. I love that clip. I love that clip. It's so good. And I can tell you as someone who works in IT that a lot of the stuff in there is 100% accurate. Uh, I, Sorry is, about that. Is that the... I love the bit after that where they've kind of disguised it and uh, um, what's his face comes in. Um, Renum comes in and he's like, "Love the screensaver." <laughs> <laughs> I just really like the one, like it when the when the sun takes over. He comes in, "You computer man, fix my pants." <laughs> <laughs> just deliver that line with no context anywhere, and it's great. It's beautiful. I do like that bit where he's just kind of go, "Oh, why did that happen?" And he looks like a uh, made in UK. Oh, okay, yeah, that's why. Yep. <laughs> oh, we're about to get hit 4K. Ooh. Another 100. What operating system is it running? Uh, Vista. We're going to <laughs> we're die. We're going to die. <laughs> we're going to die, Roy. We're going to die. Oh, that's, uh, that's such a good deal. Oh, Vista. For those of you who don't know the show, 
there. For those of you who don't know the show, it's the IT Crowd. Um, it's up on Netflix, British comedy show about basically working in tech support. It is pretty funny. I would high-five you right now because the amount of times that I've heard people say, oh, the IT Crowd, it's like, it's not the IT Crowd, it's the IT Crowd. <laughs> Well, I, I, I legit work help desk, so oh, well, yeah. well, I just said legit in public conversation. Yeah, like, I really need to. I, I, I also coach swimming, and my group is like you know fourth through sixth grade, so you know nine nine to twelve approximately in age. So yeah. Ah, okay. Which is which is always fun because you, you you still get those like trendles of like oh you know they're little kids they're they're amazing mm-hmm. and such and but you you start creeping up towards the teenager. Uh, eye roll thing every time you say something. Mm, yeah, it's, it, although, it's a fun mix. Although I'd imagine, like, I mean, how long have you been doing that? Fair um, a little over two or three years. Oh, okay, because I, I, I do distinctly get the impression that, like, you know, uh, kids these days are a hell of a lot more tech savvy than, you know, uh, than previous generations. I was just kind of wondering whether you've actually noticed that in the two, three years that you've been doing it, or whether like been a little bit less noticeable um i mean you know i'm i'm young enough that most of my time at it's swimming so go swimming um, most of my time at swim meets as a kid was playing like you know pokemon blue pokemon red you know kind of that that generation of games on game boy so yeah. you know I'll, I'll still go to you know i'll go to a meet and i'll look over and the kids are sitting there they're doing something on their phones like it's no different than when i was sitting there playing pokemon with my friends oh that's not bad which, which is definitely kind of fun because we have meets at a lot of the same pools that I swam at. So, you know, I, we just had one last weekend and, you know, the kids were sitting like the same spot that I, that I sat when I was their age and such. And they're sitting there playing <laughs> games on their phone. It's like, it's like, this is giving me flashbacks to childhood right it's like, now. Was this, was this how I was like? <laughs> oh yeah, there, there have been, a, there have been a couple times where it's been. You know, oh, you know, this is. I, I totally need to go apologize to somebody now because I, I see how much of a little brat I was being. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have those moments in life where you just kind of go, oh yeah, okay. Actually, thinking back, yeah, I was a bit of a bit of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, did have did have one though. Not not necessarily that I was being an asshole or anything, but um, one of the one of the kids I'm coaching now is a mm-hmm. son of one of my old coaches. So he gets up for a race and just goes, just goes through it, just trying to power through, just moving his arms as fast as he can, going nowhere. And his dad <laughs> comes up to me afterwards and goes, so, that remind you of anybody? I'm like, yes, yes it does, because that's pretty much exactly me at that same age. Amazing. It was, it was just really funny to have, to have that conversation with one of my old coaches about his kid that I am currently coaching. It was just one of those weird little things. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to uh, give us a little bit of a break, considering that we're that the MTACO kind of uh, uh, is progressing quite significantly. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break, uh, just to uh, get a little bit of perspective on what's been happening on, in MTACO, if if at all anybody out there in the audience is kind of unsure as to why everybody is piling into the system. Uh, I'm gonna play a little video and get a little bit of perspective, a little bit of um, context. Yes, rather than listening to me talk about my work.
this next I expect that. I'll post it. We are back. Hope you guys like that little bit of context. Um, we've got some technical difficulties at the moment with the uh, cam, um, but I'm sorting them out uh, at the moment. There's a jitter cam at the moment, um, but I will bring you back to MTAC O in a moment when I can actually, uh, you know, get more than two FPS. And it does look like activity is going down. So let's quickly jump back over to the uh, MTACO. I'll just sort that out right now. Well, gents, since it's actually starting to kind of pop off a little bit, I'm going to hop back into my stream. Uh, totally, thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, feel free to use it if you want. So we'll be playing some good tunes and talking some good things.
That sounds great. Yeah, man. Like, sounds great. Sounds definitely definitely great. Right. Uh, and some interesting activity with uh, bubbles going up and fleets getting set up. Yeah. So, um, right. Who's here to have a chat? Madderall is so Robbie and Anthema. Right, cool. Um, we've got about 15 minutes before uh, the uh, coverage of the Imperium Championship starts up um, while the MTACO fight starts to get, you know, getting uh, sped up, as it were. Um, I am going to, I'm going to quickly link. Although it's, uh, although I imagine a lot of people are very much interested in the um, Taco kind of fight at the moment. I'm going to quickly link the Imperium News Network article about the Imperium tournament, which will be coming up in about 15 minutes. Um, so you guys know what's going on with that. Uh, there we are in chat. Um, so yeah, it's it's literally going to be the it's the first Imperium tournament. It's the first uh, esports kind of uh, tournament that um, the Imperium News Network is kind of hosting, and hopefully it's going to be going to go fairly well. Um, yeah, uh, it's just, one of the things that I kind of thought was sort of unfortunate was the fact that it was also being you know it's it's being done almost on the same uh, on the same weekend as the finals of the uh, the event event kind of championship, which is very much unfortunate. But like you know, it, these things happen, you know. Um, but like in terms of the details, uh, as you could probably read down there. Uh, on the actual article, um, we have a total of like nine, nine squads. Um, I mean, te technically, I don't think they were actually meant to be uh, Imperium only. Um, although there is a fair amount of Imperium, like uh, I would imagine, probably Imperium groups in there. Um, I don't know whether does anybody know whether there's actually uh, non-imperium and non like actual fully non-imperium kind of squads I don't think so as far as I know like the as far as I know the um, you could apply to be you know to be you know you could apply and be you know create a squad out of non-imperium kind of uh, non-imperium players like very much so so um, as to, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe people just kind of saw it as a, oh, it's in, it's Imperium, so you know, it's going to be just Imperium kind of stuff. But <coughs> I don't think they're concerned with what we're doing right now in Attacko either. So well, it's far enough, you know. It's... I mean, maybe that's the, well, that's the other thing actually as well. Like you know, a lot of people are probably looking at it and kind of going, well, we want to be around in the Attacko kind of fight going on. So. Um... I even talked to some people who were like in the in the uh, that would be the west um, the western regions. They 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't really care about Imtaku that much. They they had ops and stuff. They have stuff to do, and it seems like yeah, it's just uh, local. Even though it's going to be a huge fight, it's it's still going to be local. Well, I mean, any kind of situation is local <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. But it's. Um, Are we uh, doing philosophy now? I don't think we're doing philosophy. No, we're just like I. I just kind of thought like you know, bearing in mind that. Uh, you know, 15 minutes in sort of around about 15 minutes time we're gonna be ending this and cutting over to uh, uh, the Imperium tournaments um, sort of coverage uh, that we should at least cover a little bit about uh, the uh, Imperium tournament before that all kind of gets going um, but you know at the moment in terms of on-screen entertainment uh, it's very much MO at the moment the MO is MTACO. Well, I could say that uh, it's a luxury for all you young ones because back in my day, you didn't have the luxury of even vi- video to swap between. But now you can actually follow lots of streams and lots of content and read many news articles. The, that is true, but like you know, you, the question is: Is there any? Is a is there that there might be a level of oversaturation? Well, I, of course, now you're UK and 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 I'm. DK, but in America it's pretty normal to have a hundred channels to choose from all the time, right? Yeah, it's something I always get baffled. Like when I get to US or Canada, it's like, how how is it even happening, right? This is very true. And when it comes to your comment earlier about the fact that the Imperium tournament is a little bit Imperium centric, well, you could really say something similar about the non-Imperium, and then you get into the whole Gargoons thing, and it's also <laughs> the first. It's the first actual tournament, right? So it, in the whole planning and stuff, it's logical that maybe the outreach to the outside people were not as easy. And since they are all in the EVENT tournament, it's pretty difficult to get non-Imperium members to be part of the tournament, right? That is true. And I imagine like it's going to be the acid. Like I imagine this this initial tournament's going to be a bit of a well, not not really an acid test but kind of like a an initial state of intent i guess like to show that like you know um imperium and, news network is it's... It, like i mean we're gonna we're, we're looking to be kind of more quality over quantity i guess like but um you know coverage yeah, and we're bad at eve anyway so, so yeah yeah so it's fine. it's it's gonna be it's it's gonna be hilarious if anything um as to how oh, bad and, the and, actual and I was actually are suggesting... gonna be I tried to suggest to the guys at, uh, on EventT that we could actually end both tournaments with just throwing all the, the members into the same uh, arena and just let them brawl it out. Well, like a, a final like battle royale kind of thing. Exactly, uh, an Armageddon event in the end. So everyone from one tournament and everyone from the other tournament are just thrown in there with whatever shit they're in right now because they're on the same test server, right? They're all in mm-hmm. the Thunderdome. Yeah, yeah. You know what that you like considering we were talking about like we're we're talking about it in sort of like you know this group that group kind of thing even in terms of like tournaments right like the sort of um like from an, like if you just take esports and sort of compare it to compare that kind of thing to normal sports like um there was sort of like a uh, I kind of thought that there was a little bit of a parallel to that like in say wrestling like american wrestling like you know you'd have the you'd have various different like channels i guess of sports uh, of like 
like wrestling sports like you'd have like i mean even the the wwe kind of stuff you'd have like yeah, we actually do. and you need have, to like, start talking you know, about it, right? and stuff like that yeah eventually we would need to like because it is sports and esports coverage of sports and coverage of esports are kind of quite similar even though that the content is different right so yeah and what was the and so the, the camels sorry uh do you remember the um, uh the group uh, from the tournament that uh, camel got banned for yeah camel empire got uh well temp banned for uh trying to fix matches and stuff like that and it's kind of funny right because ccp should really have had a hands-off approach to that and say well you, you might get banned from participating in tournaments in the future at least ccp tournaments and you will get your prizes uh, confiscated and stuff like that. But they shouldn't have been banned from the game because if you look at it from a meta perspective, that's just game content, right? Rigging and and and, and cheating and and spying—that's all part of the the, the whole sports uh, phenomenon in real life. Why shouldn't it be part of Eve? Oh, I get that. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from there. Um, what I thought would be quite interesting, quite handy, uh, and sort of uh, int- like uh, an interesting thing to sort of be part of oh damn we just saw the first shot fired people Yay, can see this it's on it is on i don't think know, it's, I don't it's important, what's being important to to talk about things like we, we are getting more and more events like this right esports like events run by players and all that so we're going to have to start talking about things in a similar way that we do sports in real life so we will have uh, like different cops and uh uh, the World Cup would be the CCP run one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, joking with a partner the other night that we need to do some sort of dream team. That would be fairly, fairly cool. Um, and then take on CCP devs. A bit like they did on <laughs> UNT, where, where CCP actually wiped the floor uh, yeah. with the players. Uh, yeah, I was talking to Tib about that earlier, and he was, he was, uh, he, he was laughing about it and about the fact that... Uh, you know, when he heard about it, like he just had to face palm. <laughs> yeah, so, so so we're putting. Uh, I'm putting Tibbs on my dream team with Suleiman, the 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 hero pilot from uh, from Tuskers. He was fucking awesome. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, it's going down in M- in MO now. The uh, cube starts firing. It's uh it's uh super awesome doomsday. The chaining doomsday. Then we can. It's already fired. Then we'll see if we can. If we can get uh, Boat and Savox to do uh, uh, the the halftime uh, break uh, entertainment. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I'm looking forward to actually see Boat's team on, uh, on the tournament. Boat, I, I, whatever happens, Boat's, either Boat's group is going to be, is probably going to be the most entertaining in some way. Like, I, I don't know what it is about Boat, but like, uh, I mean... So long as, so long as, like, there isn't something particular about the way that boat kind of entertains that kind of grates on you. Like, he is very entertaining. And uh, I'm hoping that he actually get uh, that they lose, so he gets to be a commenter instead, and then he can sit around and sulk and bitch about the other teams. <laughs> Classic armchair football guy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're doing it wrong. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I should probably get heading out. It has been a pleasure, guys. Um, as much as I would love to be here next week, I will be on a pool deck, so I will catch you all around as I see you. Been great fun. Enjoy the fights and such today. 
Oh, Later, we'll Robbie. We will. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, coming along, Robbie. No problem. Thanks for having me. So yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of interesting. I I didn't quite sort of uh, get. I, I don't think I really kind of got my point across in terms of like how east, like sort of the esports kind of thing with e sort of even T kind of championships and the Imperium Championship and you know this that and the other and how that kind of correlates to sort of sort of wrestling coverage like esports like uh, sports coverage and stuff. But like in um, in sort of a like especially in sort of like the WWE kind of thing you'd have like you have various different kind of almost sort of channels for uh, for this sort of thing like you'd have like uh, like raw like uh, WWE raw which would be like a you know weekly ish sort of like coverage of wrestling and then you'd have like sort of other versions of that for different things then you'd have these like those sorts of like you'd have like a combined esports event where both kind of groups and sort of players from these different things kind of collide and i yeah I, that's why i, I compared I, it to the to the world cup right and yeah, the yeah. european cup and uh, the uefa and and all that stuff we need some some sort of organizational thing where we collaborate and where there's representatives from each group but when you're talking about uh, wrestling, it's a bit funny because I watched wrestling back in the day when there was only like one, so I can't really relate to the whole <laughs> multiple thing. I, there was only uh, WWF and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, like I mean, when when WWF kind of like became WWE and they sort of, uh, I imagine you know there were some various different people there um, who'd kind of brainstormed, ah, oh, we, we can we can make this a lot larger than it is at the moment. Um, it's what I was thinking of actually naming uh, the Bolt and Wild uh, suggested show. The Bushwhackers, if you remember those guys. <laughs> they were fucking hilarious. I loved watching those two guys. They were crazy. That'd be pretty funny, actually. <laughs> I think um, we're about to get booted. Yes, we are about to get booted, but I'd like to say thank you very much for anybody who has appeared on the show. Uh, I'd like to thank Caleb for uh, uh, coming on, for Madderall for being you know, so awesome uh, to uh, let me host the uh, after show, even, even though it's a massively extended after show and for everybody who's been hanging out with, uh, with us and uh, you know, sort of uh, chatting away and you know, any, any of the followers, subscribers and you know, that kind of thing. So uh, I'd like to say thank you very much um, I hope you guys all have a lot of fun in MTACO or in the championship or whatever you're doing. Um, but stick and follow the live blog. And follow the live blog. Definitely follow the live blog. Um, st stick around here if you want to watch uh, coverage of the Imperium tournament. Um, I'm sure there'll be other coverage as well uh, on the uh, on the Imperium News Network uh, website about MTACO. Um, but yeah, all in all, have a uh, have a great Saturday and a good rest of the weekend.